Welcome back to another week of 21st Century Rocker Mom podcast with me, your host, Tanya Candler. I'm always here. I'm back for another week with you. <laughs> You're here with me at breakfast today. Ah, I'm just having a nice Bengal spiced tea. It's awesome with some like oat milk in it. This is kind of what I have for breakfast. And I do these weird little juice shots. Everybody knows this shit about me and the weird juice shots. But of course, welcome back to another episode. Welcome to another week. It's been a weird week. Happy Lunar New Year to anyone who celebrates. I'm just thinking I'm drinking Bengal spice tea and Bengal tigers. And this year is the year of the tiger uh, for the lunar calendar. So happy Lunar New Year to anyone and everyone who celebrates. And if you don't celebrate anyway, I think that's great. Celebrate the Lunar New Year. <clears throat> Bringing new things, good things to us this week. I want to tell you that I suffered something called, I think they call it the Coke bloat. I had some Coca-Cola and I was really bloated. It's not the regular Coke bloat. I am going to go over the Coke bloat today because I'm talking about, I'm talking about growing up in the entertainment industry and being kind of raised in the biz and being raised in the industry and pitfalls and kind of traps and crazy things about the music industry and kind of being young in the music industry. That's kind of what we're going to talk about on 21st Century Rocker Mom with you this episode. I can't wait to talk about it with you because I mean, I kind of grew up in the biz in one way or another in some form and uh, it definitely shaped me as an adult and there's so many ways it can go. I mean, are you in therapy for the rest of your life? Does it go really, really south? and you're not here with us anymore, or do you live a life of anonymity and you do something totally different? Like uh, one of the best uh, examples I can think of, of someone who kind of lives a life of almost anonymity now is Sherry Curry, who was the singer of the band, The Runaways, who like, like Kitty, when I was a kid, they achieved a lot of success really, really young at like 15, 14 years old. And now she's like a chainsaw artist in Northern California. And she doesn't, you know, really bother with, you know, too much and things like that. There's some people that are really still in the public eye. Um, thinking about kids and youngsters and younger people in the music industry thought, like it got me really, really thinking because I'd watched the Billie Eilish documentary and I really wanted to uh, check her out because Billie Eilish is someone that I wanted to kind of get to know better because I've heard a lot of her music and I love her approach. I love that she writes with her brother and I love that they're a team. And like, I think even like seeing the documentary, because I had had some ukulele students back in the day when I was still teaching ukulele ages ago, ages ago before the pandemic, they were always wanted to learn Billie Eilish songs. And <clears throat> I didn't know if it was just like, I didn't know what it was. I, I, I hadn't heard Billie Eilish. So I really like gave her a listen. I mean, she's like the youngest person to headline at Coachella. So it got me thinking about young people in the music industry and what's kind of going on. And it got me thinking about child stars and growing up in the industry. And I wanted to talk about it because why not talk about it and have an honest and open conversation about it? Because that's what I do here. I don't shy away from anything. So <clears throat> I want to talk about Billie Eilish because I, I love her. I think the documentary watching it and and learning more about Billie Eilish made me like her even more as a person. I mean, she's got her own things that she has to go through, but she really goes through a lot of shit for her fans. She's really like she's really she's solid, man. She's there. 
mm. I like the family dynamic. I like I like the stripped down dynamic. I like the whole home studio dynamic. She re, you know records at home. I love from a production point of view, of course, like of course I'm an audiophile and <laughs> I'm a huge nerd for that. And I love what her brother does, like how they just do it in his bedroom. They just record everything. They do the creation station stuff in his bedroom. That's where they hang out and that's what they do. So I think that's really cool. And it got me thinking like you know, when did child stars kind of start? And I thought, from what I can remember, I remember like the golden age of Hollywood and people like my, like when, I mean, I'm 39 now. So like when I was the golden age of Hollywood to me, our child actors like Shirley Temple and uh, Judy Garland. And of course, if anyone's seen Judy, oh my God, you've bawled your fucking eyes out. Likely because that movie was absolutely stunning from start to finish, sad, really sad, especially for her kids, seeing how the golden age of Hollywood really treated young stars at the time. And I mean, even Shirley Temple and even like young, young people like Marilyn Monroe. I mean, she died too young. Like the way the golden age and that golden age of Hollywood was, it wasn't so golden for a lot of people. It was, it was pretty tarnished. It was more tarnished than I think a lot of people think. So it got me thinking about, you know, what are the reasons why some of these things happen? And, you know, I've got a list. Of course, I've always got a list and I've got a list of people. So I'm going to read it to you because I can't remember everything. This week's been crazy. I started a new collab and that's why I didn't record my podcast late, late, late last night. So I had to do it early, early, early in the morning. That's why I'm having breakfast with you because <laughs> that's what I do. I've got my gut gold elixir because that keeps me good. I thought about, you know, some of the golden age of young child stars with me. And I thought about movies like The Lost Boys, movies that I loved growing up. I loved horror movies growing up. And so, of course, I loved psh, the two Corys, obviously, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And uh, <laughs> both of them were in the, Lo the, the Lost Boys. And... That's one for the guts. Both of them were in The Lost Boys. And like I say, like, what happened to Corey Haim was, like, horrible. Like, again, we'll get into some of the reasons why things happen or why I think things happen to people that grow up in the industry and kids that get raised that way. Especially, too, when they have parents, either that really mismanage them or parents that are already grown up in the industry. Singer I like, of course, everybody knows I like some Jenny Lewis Pretty soon I would have a puppy in a truck. My puppy is coming home in seven weeks. I was talking to the breeder just a couple of days ago and I'm so excited. I'm excited for you all to meet my puppy too because he will come on the show and, and come and hang out. I can't promise how long he's going to stay. He might be a little bit squirmy when wormy, but <laughs> you know puppies. I love them and I'm just excited to feel the little pitter patter of little paws all over the place. Anyways. Back to child stars. But yeah, what happened to Corey Haim was like really sad. He ended up with like almost no money and he got to the point where he was in and out of rehab so many times. He was like trying to make money. He was like cutting parts of his hair off and like selling his teeth online to try to, to make ends meet. And it's really sad how addiction and abuse in Hollywood, lots of kinds of different bad things that happen because both two like lots of bad things happened to both of those Corys to Corey Haim and Corey Feldman I know Corey Feldman spoke he spoke out very honestly about child abuse and um <clears throat> sexual objectification of children in the media and in the mainstream media 
and how some of it's used, you know, as a weapon and some of it's used as a, like a luring technique to make it more palatable for some people. Some people, you know, want to use that. And it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope to use like sexuality. I've been there. I've used, you know, my body as a, you know, a fucking hand grenade. You know what I mean? When I was in Kitty, I would not say that I addressed what, <laughs> dressed how I would deem appropriate for me like now. I mean, when I was 16, I mean, who fucking cares? I'm not running around chasing a 16-year-old shadow of myself. Yeah, so I ran around in some some pretty funny black slips. And, you know, I was definitely like mall gothy at the time. And that was my look and that was what I was into. I got no shame about it. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would be running around in it now. Maybe at nighttime. But <laughs> that's it. But I mean, it was fun. And at the time, it was the fashion. So you know what? Fuck it. No regrets. Going out in a blaze of glory. I got no regrets about that whatsoever. But it brings me to other like stars that I like. Like I say, I love Jenny Lewis. She was raised by two parents that were lounge singers. And when she was young, she kind of started... Uh, she her parents split so she started acting really young she, i think she started acting young in like a jello commercial when she was like six she moved with her mother to california from las vegas where she was with her parents like i say they were both lounge singers after their split i mean subsequently she was in a ton of like toys r us commercials you saw her and stuff like that and famously she's known as you know i mean she's in the wizard like if you haven't seen the wizard Oh my God, get into that. Jenny Lewis, Fred Savage, get into The Wizard. Get into it right now. If you're not into it, oh my God, if you're not listening to Jenny Lewis, you should probably put that on. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, it's great. She's awesome. I love Jenny Lewis. I've recently read some articles about her too, and especially being a child star, she was talking about why she wears jumpsuits. It's because she said she's just not comfortable, like, bearing so much of her body. She wants people to, like, listen to her because of her voice, not look at her for what she's, like, showing off. And I totally feel that. I'm with that, Jenny Lewis, because, you know, as a young kid, growing up, I wore some scandalous things where I showed some skin and stuff like that. And uh, sometimes I'd rather wear a fucking Elvis jumpsuit, too. You know what? I feel you, girl, on every level. Another band that's growing up, like, right now in the spotlight that I'm... I'm totally cool with and I love is the Linda Lindas. I know they have some parents that are involved in, in the industry uh, res responsibly, really. Then um, they, uh, I think they think, do they do th some things with Epitaph? And they seem to have like good management. They seem to have really good guidance. I don't worry too much about the Lindas, Lindas but I, I like, but I worry about them because like I'm a mom because I love them and I think they're so cool. So I can't wait to see what happens with the Linda Lindas. That's one band that's kind of growing up in the spotlight. So I follow along with them on Instagram and I love all their posts because they're just, oh, I think they're fantastic. I think they're talented. They're adorable. They're articulate kids. They're smart. They've got their heads on straight, definitely. And they've got some, like I say, they've got some good parenting behind them. I don't think they've got parents who are just sitting around there putting some money away for college. No, I think they've actually got like good people and good like handlers, I guess, if you call them that anymore. That's what we used to call them in the old days. I don't know if that's okay to say now, but I said it. Oh, God, I don't know if that's good. But like I say, <clears throat> growing up and being in the industry, it's crazy. It uh, it shapes you definitely. And sometimes being in young and being into like a band and being into any kind of entertainment like avenue like artists, singers, musicians, any kind of 
act like acting at all like any kind of growing up in the industry is really tough because you're doing a lot of the things that you would do privately in the public eye so that's hard so if you're having a meltdown you're having in the public eye if you're having depression you're having in the public eye if you're having like a bad moment and you post it on your instagram or your tiktok heaven forbid because that's where everybody's going to check out what's going on because we live in more of an instant sort of gratification world these days people want to see more content that's that's what we what we what we long for a lot of well a lot of younger people long for i i love long-form conversation i can listen to a podcast for like five hours but that's just me but i say you get backed into a uh, corner i was listening to something the other day and i was talking about the day the music died in uh, in the 50s when Richie Valens and the big bopper, you know, Richardson and, and, and Buddy Holly got onto an airplane in Clear Lake, Iowa and on February 3rd. And that was like the, the day the music died. They, the, their plane crashed about five minutes after takeoff. It's bad, like, because sometimes, like I say, as a young artist, they were traveling on a tour where they'd had some tour buses. They were trying to save some money. Tour buses that weren't heated properly tour buses that were you know breaking down and freezing like one of the guys reported that he had frostbite on his toes like after like drive, traveling in the tour bus but they just wanted to make money and it's hard because when you're on tour like you got to try to make money hand over fist back in those days there wasn't a lot of you know tour support they if you wanted tour support you had to support your damn self and go out and play shows they're playing two and three shows and three ballrooms a, a, a night a day and so buddy holly got on an airplane and the big bopper Richardson had been battling a flu. Richie Valens was like 17, 18 at the time. Richie! He didn't want to fly. He did a coin toss with a gentleman and he like called it in the air and he ended up in the airplane. And so bad, he, they all ended up dead on impact. That plane hit the ground at like something like 170 miles per hour. So there's kind of like no chance at that point. If there's fuel left in the plane, Kaboom! Not good. So, like I say, when you're young and you're put in these situations, a lot of the time you're not really equipped to make these kinds of decisions. And then you do and something really fucked up happens. So it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to navigate that, especially when you're not quite old enough to do it yet, to navigate it. And then the people that are navigating it for you or maybe trying to navigate it for you might not have your best interest at heart. There are great situations where they're like Billie Eilish's parents. I, I feel like I have a lot in common with her because I feel like like her parents are really on board. They're really like involved. They want to know kind of like what's going on. I mean, they, they've homeschooled her since 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 birth. Like she's she's very articulate. She's smart. She knows what's up. She's not a she's not a stupid human being. And I feel like she really likes her, like her fans, they're her friends, like they're, they're just regular people to her because she's just regular people to them. I think she feels the same way like a lot of her fans do. And I think that really resonates with me. I like that human quality of someone. I think that is one reason why I think Billie Eilish and people like that are going to have like staying power. She's not into, you know, drugs and drinking. Not that I've heard of. I don't hear bad and negative things about her, like really in the media too much. She doesn't hop on that, you know, hop on that train of addiction, which is one thing is a pitfall of being young and in the industry. It can happen. You get into the, into that situation and ugh, your parents, 
this is the opposite of kind of Billie Eilish's parents. You get parents that are like vicariously living through their children. Maybe they wanted to be, who knows what they wanted to be when they were younger. Maybe they were wanting to be, you know, a singer or an actor or whatever. And they're living vicariously through their kids. So, you know, they get on the management team or they get on a production team or they're there all the time. They're just always a presence, you know, stage parents, like stage moms, stage dads. They're always there. And sometimes they're not helpful. Sometimes they're just like a money siphoner. Sometimes they're a dream killer. Like sometimes they're just not positive with the child and it's not good for their mental health. So, I mean, there's lots of people who've had, you know, parental mismanagement, addiction problems, mental illness. And I, like I say, all of that's out in the public eye for people to just see. Like in my day, we had a show on the, sh on the, on the TV box. That one's lemon. Who and ginger. Good morning. Woo Good morning, wherever you're listening from. Holy fuck. Oh. I'm just recovering. Sorry about that. Woo! What I'm saying, like, a lot of these kids have, like, really suffered at the hands of other things and not had a chance from the beginning. Like, when I was a kid, like I say, on the TV box, there was a show called Blossom. And there was a character. His name was Joey. His catchphrase was always, whoa! He was Joey Lawrence. Like, he just, there's nothing my love can't fix for you, baby. Whoa! There's nothing my love can't fix for you, baby. He just, like, he started doing band stuff after Blossom. And he had, like, he had a great net worth. He was, like, always on the cover of those teen magazines, like Tiger Beat and Seventeen. And he was, like, a, like a real sex machine for the girls. They liked him back then. Sure, some a lot of the boys liked him back then too. He's cute, but uh, in like 2017, he filed for like two, like I think it was Chapter Seven bankruptcy. He had like no net worth left. He had to sell everything he owned for fifty six thousand dollars, and just like that was the end of everything. He's doing a little bit better now. There was Gary Coleman. Everyone knows who Gary Coleman is. If I say, "What are you talking about, Willis?" Everybody knows who Gary Coleman is. Come on. It takes different strokes to takes, different strokes to takes, different strokes to rule the world. Yes, it does. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What well, might be right for you might not be right for some. Um, he's a man of means. I don't know the rest. Along come two. They got nothing but the dreams. They got different strokes to takes, different strokes to takes different strokes rule the world you know arnold and willis and mr roper or whatever his name was but like seriously so this guy you know adopts these two children but like the breakout character of the show is is gary coleman this gentleman and and gary coleman was funny he played this this character named arnold who was just outspoken for a child especially smart as a fucking whip just quick as a just quick like as the day is long just right off the cuff. You say anything and Arnold would just, he'd catch you. He'd know, right? Like he was great. Like, but characters in that show, three characters in that show suffered, you know, childhood problems and addictions. And it was quite ironic that it was the, the, the kids that played the children of the show. So Mr. Roper already had a daughter named Kimberly. And then obviously he adopted Arnold and Willis. And brothers and sisters, they played brothers and sisters on the show. And in real life, they all like 
kind of succumbed to like addiction and problems. And I know that Gary Coleman, he was getting paid at one point, he was getting paid 70K per episode for like a child. And at the time when these episodes were filmed, that was a fucking lot of money. That was a boatload of money. But he went bankrupt in 1999 and he was was like trying to make ends meet. By working as a mall security guard, he had to take a like take a take a job, and I've heard like a lot of this, uh, like with people like Darlene Love, for instance, who became famous for singing on unfortunately Phil Spector albums. I have no love for Phil Spector, but I do have love for Darlene Love. I will say I have lots of love for Darlene Love, but she, at one point she was like cleaning houses because she had no money, and she was like. She was a backup singer on all these famous albums. She was like making all kinds of like money and like no one knew that whose voice was that in the background. You know what I mean? She's just a few, you know, meters away from like the lead singer, you know, that's, you know, in front of the microphone, sorry, in front of the microphone. But she, you know, she's not getting the notoriety or the money, obviously, she deserves because... Like I say, there's there's greenness and there's young people in the music business. There's there's mismanagement. There's there's racism. You know, people not getting paid what they're they're worth because of their color of their skin. Obviously, getting the short end of the stick because of race and like taking it because they had no there's no choice. Like because they they had to, or otherwise they couldn't make any money. Like so, marginalized people were getting screwed, you know, in 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 this situation as well. Like, you know what I mean? So there's young people, and there's like other flavors, or there's marginalized young people that can't make it because of their their race. It's hard, like every single way you <laughs> you spin it. Growing up in the biz is going to be difficult because everything you do, like I say, is going to be under the microscope. So <clears throat> we go to Dustin Diamond. Everyone remembers Dustin Diamond, Screech, Samuel Powers. Say why the bell. That guy could not get away from the name Screech Samuel Powers. He played, I think, in like eight, seven or eight, like Saved by the Bell, like shows and specials, including like Hello Miss Bliss, which came out like in the 80s, you know, like 1989 or like 1990. I don't know. Somebody correct me on that if I don't know. With Haley Mills, like Hello Miss Bliss, that's an old one. But Dustin Diamond tried to like break away from the role of Screech Powers. He didn't want to be dropping Elvis Bus and going crazy with Zach Morris. He couldn't do it. So he did like a Screech Powers adult film called Screech Saved by the Smell. I don't think it went over well. And then he vowed that he, to Mario Lopez, like on an, uh, who is obviously A.C. Slater, that pig, <laughs> my mama. So he vowed to him that he was going to get straight, like get his life in order, get his shit together. But unfortunately, he he passed away um, to and succumbed to stage three or four like the lung cancer so before he kind of got to like redeem himself he kind of stopped and he just passed away actually last year i think it was in february yeah last year would have been february this year february 2021 he passed away it really like surprised me that he passed away because i don't know like how long he was sick for apparently it was quite a brief illness but again another child star that couldn't get away f- from it and i mentioned the two Corys because Corey hames b- buried not too far away from where I live. Like he's just close to Toronto. And at one point, like he, like they were not doing well, like even for money, even with his funeral, like his family was asking me for like a GoFundMe to help with some of his expenses because, you know, they, they just, they didn't have any money. He, he blew it all. And that was addiction. And again, he'd had 15 stints in rehab. The poor guy was like really suffering and 
eventually his body kind of succumbed to what happened. You've got Nick, Aaron Carter, the famous brother of Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Everybody! I'm sure you know the Backstreet Boys. I know the Backstreet Boys even. Aaron Carter, I think he did Aaron's Party. He started as a pretty like clean-cut artist and things like that, but then things got topsy-turvy for Aaron Carter. And he ended up spending a lot more money than he had. And he, he got into trouble. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, my God. You can sit with us. But whoo, cool it on the booze. Lindsay Lohan even got in shit from Oprah Winfrey. Even like Oprah Winfrey told her that like to cut the bullshit. Like Oprah. Like they believed it out, obviously. But Oprah Winfrey swore. And like she doesn't swear a lot. I'll say Oprah is a very... uh well-spoken human being like she 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 speaks in a very articulate manner she she writes well and things like this and she's a good actress and things of that nature but oprah's not what i'd call like a swearer she oprah is not really like a pirate like 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 yours truly and oprah winfrey told lindsay lohan to cut the fucking bullshit because lindsay lohan like i say she just like got out of control she she like broke out in mean girls and she was doing great and she's kind of one of those like disney sort of kids and you never know what's gonna happen with the disney kids is it gonna go like disney princess or is it gonna go maleficent style how is it gonna go with these disney princess kids who knows what the fuck is going on with them but oh my god <clears throat> lindsay lohan did not go great you know like things did not go well for Lindsay lohan she'd struggled with a lot of addiction as did like another like disney kid like amanda Bynes. like she was doing great and then her parents took a hold of her money and then she didn't have any she was found like sleeping in a mall like it's tragic what happened to these kids like i say again parental mismanagement addiction mental health stuff all this stuff goes hand in hand with these child stars but like where are their parents to help them like your parents are here to support or they're supposed to be here to guide you in the right direction. What the fuck are they doing? Like Justin Timberlake, he was part of that Mickey Mouse Club era too. Fortunately, his turned out kind of really good. Justin Timberlake's been doing, you know, well and does like pretty much positive things like that I've seen. I haven't heard too much in the media about Justin Timberlake. I haven't been down the Justin Timberlake rabbit hole though. So don't quote me because I don't know 100%. But I haven't heard too much shit about Justin Timberlake. Mm. But I mean, like, look at, like, his friend, like, our friend Britney Spears. Like, she grew up in the public eye, and look what happened to her. She, I mean, she's just gotten control over her fucking life back after, at being, like, almost my age and not being in control of her life. Like, that's what childhood stardom can do to you. You get the wrong, you get the wrong person, like, Isaiah taking care of you, like what her dad did to her. Now, like, I was part of the whole, you know, absolutely free Britney movement. Why shouldn't she be taking care of her, herself? I think she's old enough. She's a grown woman. She should be making her own decisions. If she wants to have a baby, she should be able to have a baby. If she wants to get married, she should be able to get married. Sign a prenup, Britney. Come on. Get that money, girl. You better work, bitch. But, like, seriously, she worked hard for it. She should be in charge of it. You know what I mean? She should be in charge of her own shit. She can handle it. It matters. I will say it matters. Who's pulling the strings? It matters who's in charge of expenses. It matters who's in charge of keeping track of things. It matters who's who's doing your taxes. It matters if somebody's fudging the numbers. Imagine, you know, it matters, you know, if someone's like embezzling money in the company. It matters who's on your team, like when you're a child actor. It matters if, or if you're in the industry. Like, like I say, it matters 
who's like fucking you around and who's there under false pretenses or who is there to help you. If someone wants to help you and they have like absolutely no reason to help you, like they have like nothing to gain from it, they're probably really there to help you. But if someone is there only for personal gain, you'll know. Because if you pull out, like, and that's what these kids have a hard time dealing with. That's one thing, rejection. If you pull out, you wouldn't believe that the supporters that, you know, they just like they come out of the woodwork when you get famous. When you start getting less famous or getting older in the industry and less desirable and you're not buzzed about anymore, some of these young people can't handle the rejection and they don't know what to do with it. And it's a really tough emotion to deal with. It's like, what the fuck do I do with this? I don't know if I'm angry or if I'm sad or if I feel rejected. You know, I don't know what I feel. And you know what? I mean, I felt all those things as a young kid. You know what I mean? As an adult, I don't feel those things. I don't. If someone chooses not to follow or unfriend or what, that's your prerogative. If you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. If you don't want to look at it, scroll on Donkey Kong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do, what do you want me to say? If you don't like it, don't, don't, don't listen to it. Don't look at it. Don't follow it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm a huge supporter of that. If you don't, if you don't want to see it and you're you know, not so in support of it, don't support it. Just don't, don't go for it. But like I say, it matters who's pulling the strings. It always matters who's pulling the strings. So questions, questions. This is funny. I got some questions about child acting and things like that. I got a question about why don't I have my kids on the podcast? Oh my God. I was just like, when I got this question, I was like, is this a real question? Do you think my podcast is for children? It is certainly not. And if you listen, I've said this, if you let your kids listen to my podcast, yeah, that's right. I think you're a shitty parent. I'm just going to say it. Don't let your list kids listen to my podcast. I don't let my kids listen to my podcast. Fuck no. I don't let them tell their teachers. Oh, my mom does a podcast. They're like, what does your mom do? Voiceover work. That's all they know. That's all they need to know. They need to know about a podcast. They need to know about swearing. The reason, yeah, I don't have my kids on my podcast or have anything to do with my kids on my podcast. People know I have kids, but they're not all over my shit because it's nobody's fucking business. And I don't have my kids on my podcast because like I say, this is not a kid friendly podcast. That's why I don't do it. So, and like I say, I don't want to do that industry kid shit to my kids either. Like fame, wealth, all that stuff, they they can contribute to major mental instability and, you know, overspending and things like that. Like, and I say rejection, that's a hard one to deal with. People don't know where to put it. You got the bad influences sometimes that you can get of your entourage, like the hangers on, the people that want to, like I say, come out of the woodwork when the things are really good and everything's coming up Millhouse. These people are like, woo, let's get on board. Like Ric Flair. They want to just woo, fucking nature boy. They just want to, they want to get on board. They want to join the revolution. <laughs> they want to be part of the show, right? So you've seen the show Entourage. You can see how bad hangers on can influence a one like main person. And it's really hard. The lack of childhood. Michael Jackson said it best. Have you seen my childhood? Fuck no. No one saw it. Michael Jackson, especially not you. Fuck. The lack of childhood. Things go really fast. Things go fast in general when you're a kid. And as a parent, I see that, especially myself. Things go fast. Kids grow fast. But when you're raised in this way, oh my God, like regular things take a back seat for like practice or rehearsal or 
auditions or a gig or whatever. Like, you want to go tobogganing or ice skating or do normal kid stuff. Go to the playground, play outside in the backyard. Like, do normal kid shit. You know what I mean? Go swimming what with your friends. Like, do do whatever you want. We're gonna jump rope. But you know, you you've got to practice, or you got vocal lessons, or you got piano lessons, or you got acting lessons, or you got this, or you got that. You know what I mean? And a lot of the regular family growing up, growing up like kid stuff takes a backseat to like a really like what has become now a job for these kids. So some of these kids get really resentful of this stuff and then they miss these family situations. So that is a big chunk that miss that you know, that gets missed and get that piece really gets left out as far as I think industry kids go. And the younger you are, I think when you get in the industry depends how you're managed as well. If you miss out in those family moments and you, you miss out on that family time. And that's why I thought I liked Billie Eilish so much because that family stuff's so there. I mean, she works with her brother. She's homeschooled. She's, you know, with her parents all the time. The parents come with her. They seem to be really cool, like, hippies. They just seem to be cool people. You know what I mean? Like, I think with the right management, it can be done right. But a lot of these, a lot of this stuff falls back. And like I say, regression like regression back into when these kids get famous and people get famous they regress back into being a child because they don't know how to deal with how overwhelmed they are with fame and how overwhelmed with how much attention they get that they just kind of regress and kind of go backwards and they're like oh wow you know there's a lot i mean in in hollywood i think the worst thing in 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 growing up in the industry is the the sexual exploitation i said you know and, and like i would call it that and definitely sexual objectification of everyone i'm not going to just say of women because that's a fucking blanket bullshit statement i can't say that as someone who identifies as female because there is just like so much sexual objectification all over everything for every child you know what i mean it could, like i say Corey Haim was one of the first actors to talk open about it like really openly and freely about it and he really freed his mind by speaking about that and oh my god like it just keeps victims silent for so many years and because hollywood objectifies these children and either makes them feel good about themselves or makes them feel bad like they can't tell you know what i mean fame comes too fast for a lot of these kids and Oh my God, like, let me tell you about that. Of course, fame comes too fast for a lot of these kids. Fame came literally like almost overnight, seemingly for me. And yeah, it came too fast. And I didn't know what to do with it. I still wouldn't know what to do with it. Like I say, fame came overnight for some of these kids really fast. It comes so fast, they don't know what to do with it. And they don't know how to deal with it. In come, you know, uh, an overwhelming change in their surroundings, a really big material change in their surroundings. And in come the drugs and the alcohol and the friends with the, hey, I got this and hey, I got that. And hey, I got whatever magic potion I'm going to give you. And it's going to make your fucking head spin. Like... We all know that, you know, actors have public breakdowns, but we have public deaths and things like people come in with friends, come in with with, you know, party favors and things. We get we get situations like River Phoenix. Everyone remembers when River Phoenix like famously took drugs from a friend on Devil's Night one night and, and passed away as a result of it and ended up being a speedball. So that's a lot of drugs mixed together. And uh 
a lot of people have public breakdowns. I mean, like Lindsay Lohan's had them. Uh, they've caught Amanda Bynes, like I say, on on video cameras having public breakdowns. Britney Spears has had breakdowns. But I mean, like these people get these moments in their life that should be private, theoretically, and they should be kept to themselves. But unfortunately, they're followed around by cameras and then they get dubbed as crazy or whatever, you know, they get dubbed as. And that's a hard fucking label to shake. And that's hard, especially when now, as a big star, you've built this overconfidence and maybe an arrogance and that's a fucking slippery slope too because now you think you're untouchable and you can do anything you want and nobody likes an arrogant dink in real life and nobody likes an arrogant fucking little dink in this we're in the entertainment world either nobody likes bad parents and i can tell you this by not bad parents but even like parents that party with their children the like the biggest like oh my god the biggest example I can think about of this is, is Drew Barrymore. Holy smokes. I mean, I remember reading the book Little Girl Lost when I was young. And like the parents, her parents were, I mean, the famous Barrymores. They were the actors. They were in the industry forever and a day, the Barrymores. And like I say, like she got introduced to drugs and alcohol and smoking super, super, super young. But her, like she says, like famously in her in her books that like, she used to party with her mom and she partied with people that were a lot like older and there was a lot more accessible to her at that age and going to parties with people that were a lot older and doing things that were a lot older. And there was a lot more accessible, like I say, to, at that age, just because of her status and the actor, the child actress status at the time, what they, what they called it at the 80s. But some of these parents just saw their kids as fucking cash machines. So they did whatever they, they wanted to do and they did they kind of let the kids do the same they, they let them follow suit they let the kids kind of lead and sure hop on the whatever machine it's just it's it's hard and then we you know when these kids grow up and whatever it's time for them to get rid of their former image and time for them to get rid of that and start rebranding right and rebranding and starting a new image is fucking hard for anyone it's so hard to grow up and shed that you know we have the rise and then we have the fall and now we have the redemption, right? You got to, you got to redeem yourself and you got to rebrand, right? So, cause when you're a child actor, everyone just like loves you. And then all of a sudden, no, Haley Joel Osment, you're not cute anymore. You crashed your car. You're an asshole. Like, or whatever, you know what happens? Like something happens horrible. Oh, you were so cute in Sixth Sense, the end. You know what I mean? So eventually you got to stop chasing that, you know, child, you know, uh, ghost of yourself. And there's the rise, like I say, the fall and the redemption. So there's the rebranding from, you know, child star, teeny bopper to, to grown up. How, how, how do you do that? How do you be racy and how do you be sexier? And how do you be the grown up version of yourself without somebody like shaming you, right? Body shaming you, slut shaming you, any kind of shame, not cool. Judgment, fuck off. I don't have time for that shit whatever and then also it's like the lack of knowledge and being naive because you didn't get that because you were a kid at the time and the, the knowledge and the and 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 and, and the, the things that you should have the things that you should have known and the ideas that you should have gotten and the things that you should have been aware of you're not conscious of because you don't think that laterally yet because your brain can't get there it just can't get there yet because you're you want to be doing all these things but you're just not quite old enough to do them or you're just quite not old enough to make that decision. So I say, being naive. This is what leads to being like rich and then fucking broke. 
This is what leads to, I say, a fall and redemption. And always I say the rise, the fall, the redemption. This is what leads to pressure. It really leads to like a public reaction. Like a lot of people really like feed off of public reaction, like the reaction they get off their, their Twitter or their Instagram or whatever, their public flat platform, their OnlyFans, whatever they're using most often. And then how they handle criticism. Like I say, this is, goes along with, with the rejection piece. How can you handle your fucking haters? How do you do that? Do you do it in a graceful way? Or are you like, fuck you, I'm going to give it right back to you. It depends, I think, for some people on the situation. Some people want to give it right back. Some people don't. It's, it's what, what can you do? You got, some people just got to come up with flames right out of the gate. Other people just want to like, you know, sit back and whatever. Do what you, what you, what you wish. But you know, these, these people, they get a, they get a pressure. They get a pressure that they never had. Decisions, you know, decisions, like I say, no young person should ever have to make. And like I say, too young to make those decisions. It's hard to make those decisions when you shouldn't have to make those decisions. So all that said, it just took me to, like I say, decisions you have to make. Like I say, I brought it up, the, 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 flip, the plane crash. I thought about Richie Valens not ever flying and getting on that plane and being 17 years old and having to make that decision. And then I thought about other bands like Leonard Skinner and their plane crash in, in the 70s and 77 and uh, not really wanting to get on a plane. And Ronnie Van Zant saying, you know, I'll never make it to 30. And that kind of being prophetic of, yeah, that plane crashed like a few hours after he said that. And people didn't want to get on that plane because and they were young, too. Like I say, they were under 30. Like, this is what I think is like young to me. Not just children in the music business or children in the acting business or children in the entertainment business. But being young and growing up in the biz and being in the biz it can be very dangerous. Like I say, it, it can be a very dangerous time. You can hang out with some very dangerous people. You can either have, there's two kinds of people you can have in your life. There's, there are vampires and there are, you know, helpers. Like I say, people who want to help you will help you with, with, without having any, you know, personal gain. They'll help you just because they want to for, for no reason at all. They have nothing to get out of it. Like I say, so what can I say about growing up in the industry it is a lot of children a lot of young people faced with adult problems and not the adult brains to solve that problem it's it's hard and a lot of the times they don't have the adults following them along and like following along with them in order to make those decisions or help them make those decisions and like help them navigate through those kind of like murky sort of waters because that's in essence what they are Growing up and having these private moments in the media is, I mean, to some people, they love it. And to some people, they just, they want to hide it. So I, I am on, you know, both sides of the fence with that. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. If you don't want to post it, don't post it. If you do post it, though, realize it's probably going to get, you're going to get shit back and forth. Like I got called, like I say, I got called to call me this week because of the trucker rally. Like I say, and I, I won't talk about this long because this episode's not about that. But I, I got, I got, we were in, if you're Ontario right now, you know about this, the, the, the trucker, they call it a freedom convoy. And I'm really putting that in, in, con, in, in, in quotations. Cause I, I do not call it a freedom convoy. I call it a fucking pile of bullshit is what I call it, but whatever. It's organized by a known racist and white nationalist. I will say that. I don't give a fuck who calls this fake news. They can fuck off. 
I will say that, uh, yeah, I got called a commie this week because, uh, like I say, I do not follow the trucker rally. I do not support the trucker rally. I think it's bullshit. It doesn't matter, like, for me, what your political stance is. But I, if you support racists and racists and flying swastika flags, you're on the wrong side of the fucking fence, man. I'm sorry. You must have taken a wrong turn, man. Like the Bugs Bunny said, you must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. Like, really. What's up, Doc? You should not be marching with the racists. Just don't do it, man. Just don't do it. So I got called a commie this week. So I was like, okay, whatever. That's whatever. But I just, I can't align myself with a group that aligns themselves with hate. And hey, maybe call me a fucking asshole and you can do this if you want. But I can't get down with and get cool with a group that makes people feel scared who already feel scared. And that may, then it therefore makes them more scared. There's people that are out there that are already terrified. So how about let's terrify them some more and let's like terrorize them. And if you have friends in Ottawa right now, and I, and I do, they're terrified. They don't want to leave their fucking houses because they're scared. And you know what? I, I, I said to them, yeah, don't leave your fucking house. It's not a good idea. Because the people out there are getting, it's getting crazy. It's getting bad. And I wouldn't want to be near Ottawa right now. I'll just put it that way. So no, no, I'm not down with the trucker rally. So if you're not down with that, I guess, whatever. See you later. But I think you should watch the Billie Eilish documentary. I think you should watch it. This is what I think. This is what I think. I think this week you should watch the Billie Eilish documentary. Get down with that shit. I've been working on music all fucking week. I've been like a crazy person. Really just like working on music. Like I couldn't even get my podcast recorded last night because what was I doing? I was working on music and I just, I couldn't stop. So I finished the bass tracks and that's why we're having breakfast together. What can I say? I'd say the Billie Eilish documentary made me really reevaluate my production value and things and how I'm doing things in my home studio, how good production value can be at home. You know, looking at a lot of production value from a lot of producers and reading a lot of things that a lot of producers use and what they're and talking to a lot of producers and what they're using with their rigs and with their setups and what you're doing. It's, 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 it's cool. Like it's uh, it's a cool thing to learn. It's been a cool like learning curve for me. Uh, like I say, like I started this new project. I'm excited to share it with you. I'm excited to talk about you. Well, I'm not excited to talk about you. I'm excited to talk about it with you, but I am excited to talk about you, but I'm excited to talk about it with you. Like I say, it's going to be a little bit, like metal it's going to be a little bit like it's going to be kind of fast it's going to be a little bit out of the box for me like i say it's something i've never done before it's something i like i'm really excited about and uh i can't wait to talk to you all about it and i can't wait to like put it down the pipe so i'm just laying it down and uh i'm excited so it's been another week it's been crazy i mean my mom she got mad at me this week over the phone because I think I said something last week on uh, on the show about your parents fucking. Well, she didn't like that. Sorry, mom, but I'm going to throw you under the bus for this one. One time I walked in on my parents having sex. They were watching Walker, Texas Ranger in the eyes of a ranger. You know what? I'm telling you, I've never fucking looked at Chuck Norris the same way again. I can't even look at Chuck Norris because my parents were having sex downstairs in the den in the family room like my mom was like under a blanket or something and they were watching chuck norris on the walker texas ranger i guess that show is obviously boring enough to have sex to so they had sex to chuck norris my parents are divorced now again hilarious 
But I can't look at Chuck Norris the same because he's fuck Norris. And you know what? No way. So your parents fucking. So that one is for my mom being mad at me. If you want to get at me this week and anytime, you know where I'm at. I'm at 21st Century Rocker Mom on Instagram. You can hit me up also at 21st Century Rocker Mom and The Real Tanny Candler at TikTok. I'm ticking and talking and I'm there. And uh, if you want to get at me at Twitter, I'm at Tanny Candler. And if you want to click, you should just probably click subscribe on my YouTube channel. And then you can watch this shit. I don't care where you, you want to get this. Just get it somewhere where that's not shitty and not affiliated with somewhere shitty. Get it wherever you want. But like I said, get it some, somewhere that's not shitty. Watch it on YouTube. It'll be fun. So I'll see you. The YouTube channel is Tanya Candler channel. I'll see you next week. I hope you have a wonderful week. I love you. Peace to you all. I will see you next week and I will see you on the flip side. Bye.